The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We're back. It's All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I am your host, Brad Ward. Back-to-back nights, folks. Uh, We've got another good one for you here tonight as special guest Jonathan Abbott, Senior Annual Analyst from Pro Football Focus, will tell us why the Browns got an A-plus with PFF and talk a little bit about how that grading actually happens over at PFF analytics get into it a little bit tonight uh, with uh, Jonathan he is a terrific guest Uh, about a half hour interview there Uh, some of the Browns rookies have their numbers we'll go over the ones that do Antonio Brown to the Ravens question mark uh, and then uh, a couple questions about Joe Woods. Still don't not sure what scheme he's planning on bringing to the Browns defensively. We'll get into that. And uh, the Browns, where are they in the power rankings after that draft? We will go over that and find out. You are locked in with all eyes on Cleveland. You start getting excited. And there it is. Mikey on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. Good man. Uh, All eyes on Cleveland can be found. Where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, AppRadio.com, and Google Play will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Dot com, uh, where we're always published. We were published there this morning. Craziness going on here uh, over on my end. Uh, dog barking a little bit. That's okay. Uh, dog pound, baby. Dog pound. Um, and uh, with that, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we're going to listen to here in this interview with Jonathan uh, Abbott, he uh, was kind enough to lend us uh, some of his time, senior analyst, senior analyst at PFF, Pro Football Focus. If, uh, you know, they, they have grades on everything, the site is uh, full of data. Um, I mean, they collect data from every single play, college, pro, everything, grade it all out. Um, he's going to talk about how those grades are 
derived, you know, how they come to those calculate, I guess would be the right word, those grades, and then uh, talk a little bit about which picks scored highly with them uh, for the Browns and why, and which picks not so highly uh, for them with the Browns. But they did give the Browns an A+. Plus, that's right, you heard it, an A-plus on the draft, so terrific stuff there, that's why we got him on, and uh, we'll get his uh, information on that, Uh, and then we'll come back and I'll spend a couple minutes with you going over my uh, daily stuff that I like to do, hope you enjoyed the interview we did yesterday uh, with uh, the one and only Nick Shook. Uh, He was terrific, Uh, and uh, that can be found as well at the website, uh, alleyesoncleveland.com, where you can now get the new jerseys or your new Browns gear uh, after the uh, jersey change. It's all available there for you on the site, as well as all of the content, all of the shows that we have done, uh, interviewing the most intriguing uh, and Uh, influential personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape. That's what we do. All eyes on Cleveland. Uh, Right, Mikey? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, So let's get to it. Jonathan Abbott, uh, Senior Analyst, Pro Football Focus. Hope you enjoy this interview. It's actually very intriguing. Uh, And then we'll come back. I'll go over my stuff for the day, I've got some good stuff. Uh, trying to figure out what Joe Woods is going to run schematically on this defense. Browns haven't tipped their hand on that. Uh, haven't heard anything about it, really. But we can look at what he's done in the past, what he's been a part of, what he did, what he ran in Denver when he was a D.C. Uh, um, for the only other time in his career. And, and then, you know, what he was a part of in San Francisco as well. Uh, and kind of uh, see, try to determine what they will be running. But before we do all that, let's get you to Jonathan Abbott, uh, senior analyst, pro football focus. Uh, great interview. Gets uh, into the uh, analytics of it all. Tells you how it all works. How the grades are, uh, you know, calculated or you know brought to uh, the web page. Go check it out. Pro Football Focus. Um, and uh, here it is. An A-plus grade for the Browns in the draft for Pro Football Focus. Jonathan Abbott, senior analyst from PFF, to talk about it. Enjoy. And we welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast today, a very special guest, uh, first time uh, on the show, uh, Jonathan Abbott, Senior Analyst at Pro Football Focus. How are we doing today, John? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. How are uh, How is the uh, quarantine life? Are you maintaining uh, everything? Uh, is uh, kind of Groundhog Day-ish right now? Are you getting through everything all right? Yeah, not not too difficult. Uh, at PFF, I work remotely anyway, so this hasn't changed too much for me. I'm from the Boston area, so we're kind of one of the hot spots, but, you know, just limiting contact with others and doing my best as everyone can do. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so 
want to get into some of uh, the Browns draft here with you today, John. Uh, and uh, But first I wanted to ask you a quick question here. Um, how did you get your start with uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, I'm from the Boston area, so obviously it's the culture here. I was just a huge sports fan growing up. I always watched the – and I saw, like, the gameplay and the team-building elements of both baseball and basketball evolve due to the advancement analytics. And with football being my favorite sport, I wanted to see if there were companies out there that were involved in football analytics because I knew football would be the next. Uh, I read, I just researched online. I read into PFS and read uh, about their philosophy on football, looked at how they graded the game. I just applied online and worked part-time for a year and then was hired the next year in a full-time role. Uh, when you are working part-time, is that is that a lot of just uh, watching uh, film and charting stuff? Yeah, just yeah, it's I mean similar to what I was. It's a similar role to what I'm doing, just uh, less intensive. But yeah, just uh, watching games and charting plays, collecting data for us. That that's wild. That's crazy. That's a lot of data you guys put together. It's pretty amazing. Um, we're talking with uh, John Abbott, senior analyst of pro, uh, over at uh, Pro Football Focus. So this year, you know, the Browns aren't used to this type of thing, John, uh, but uh, Pro Football Focus uh, in their grades uh, gave us a, a, an A-plus, the Browns, an A-plus uh, on their 2020 draft. Uh, what kind of stood out to you about uh, what they did in the draft that, uh, you know, earned them that grade? Yeah, I mean, like any draft at the, you know, right after it ends, you got to put an asterisk after any type of grade. But uh, I thought, yeah, I thought the Browns did a good job. Uh, they were able to get three players in our big board's top 23 uh, with their first three picks. And they were able to fill two big need spots at safety and offensive tackle. So they were able to accomplish filling roster holes uh, and finding value at those picks as well as picking valuable positions there. And that's very rare to do with, within the first couple of days of the draft. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, I, you know, I agree. I thought that was really good value there. And uh, this will be the more interesting thing here. So I, I think uh, not a lot of people, um, John, or not everybody, football fans as a whole, really understand what all goes into a pro football-focused grade. Because you guys – really put a figure on everything, right? Um, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about how those grades are calculated? And in this case, more sort of, you know, kind of the draft grades. Like, how how do you um, go about calculating a team's draft grade or, or grading a player in the draft? Yeah, so if we're just going to go off of how we grade players individually in terms of giving them their number grades, uh so the grading system is a system that evaluates every play, every player on every play, with the principle being to grade the production on the football field over a physical trait or a measurable. And on each play, a player is given a grade ranging from negative two to positive two in half-point increments. A zero grade is the quote-unquote expected grade, with the player doing their specific job at a reasonable 
or expected level. At one end, you can have you know a big bomb where a player, yeah, you know, a great throw and accurate from the quarterback at a critical moment in the game. On the other end, you can have a catastrophic pick six type of throw. Uh, the grading system it takes out the aspect of the final result of the play as much as we can, uh, and kind of gets at places where statistics could not capture. For example, like say there's a deep and accurate bomb that is dropped by a receiver that is graded as highly as it had as it would be if it were caught. And similarly, if a dropped interception or a throw that could easily be returned for 60 away, uh, if that's dropped, that's graded just as harshly as if it were caught and returned for a pick six. Hmm. Uh, so for the grading itself in terms of the draft, uh, I mean, the, the letter grades are definitely arbitrary. What we look at is, we look at the team's needs. Uh, we look at how well these players graded, and not in in terms of college grading. There's things that translate to the NFL and things that don't. If you win without athlete, without athleticism, say there was a defensive end like AJ Epinesa who graded out really well for us, but he won with basically just bull rushes and we didn't see the type of bend in athleticism around the edge that would really win at an NFL level. Despite our high grade of him, he might fall lower on our draft board in terms of a projection. So when we're giving out a high grade, uh, we're looking at, you know, valuable positions. So positions that affect the passing game, as we believe the passing game is far more valuable than the running game. So quarterbacks, mm-hmm. of course, wide receivers, cornerbacks, offensive tackles, whereas interior offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, you can find those later in the draft and find value at that later in the draft. That's tremendous stuff. That's really interesting. I find the most interesting part about that is the, you know, you know how you, you were mentioning how you take out the final result of the play. So basically you're taking a player and eliminating what other factors account towards the play, like if the receiver drops it or not. It just matters whether if he threw the ball on target or not, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Correct. We kind of just try to take the individual roles of a player and grade that. So, I mean, for another example, if there's a defensive end that beats – uh, an offensive lineman really quickly, but the quarterback is able to get the ball out very fast, and that player doesn't get a pressure, let alone a sack. You know, we're going to grade that beat just as well as if, you know, the quarterback had held on to the ball and he were able to get a pressure or a hit or something of that nature. You know, we're looking at, yeah, we're looking at win rate and therefore increasing the amount of sample size we can look at in, in terms of wins and in that way we can uh you know find more data and be and you know have more valuable data that way yeah definitely uh, uh you know tremendously useful stuff and uh being you know used across the nfl now right uh analytics and uh your site is uh 
extensive, and you can find just about everything that you can on there. So definitely go to uh, Pro Football Focus and, and, and check it out and uh, um, what you can get there. Um, so thank you for, you know, breaking that down for everybody. Uh, we appreciate that you're listening to Jonathan Abbott, Senior Analyst at Pro Football Focus. So with that in mind then, John, uh, you kind of mentioned the top three picks already, but which players from the Browns, you know, graded out well for you guys? Obviously you said the top three. Um, was there anybody else, and, and how high did those top three picks grade for you guys? Uh, in the later rounds, it was the Browns draft. We didn't have any, you know, real sleepers that we caught in okay. the end. Uh, but it, it was really the, the second and third picks of Grant Delpit and Jordan Elliott really stood out the most to us. Uh, Delpit was our number one safety prospect in this year's draft. Uh, to get him at 41 represented extreme value. As yeah. That's well noted. Delpit had a poor 19 due to many missed tackles and poor angles uh, that he took to make plays. But he graded out very well at his first two years of LSU. Uh, he shows great fluidity in his movement skills and coverage, uh, has great athleticism that's combined with above-average size, and his playmaking ability that he showed early in his career, uh, that gives him a high-end type of projection if he were to hit towards, you know, uh, the type of ceiling that he can be. So he could potentially be a top safety in the league. Uh, next would be Jordan Elliott, and Elliott actually graded the highest of any interior defensive lineman of this year's draft class over the past couple of years. Wow. Uh, and this is this includes, and this is in the SEC, which includes Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. So he was the 23rd ranked player on our big board, and he looks to be a fit in the Sheldon Richardson type of three technique mold, which yep. plays over the offensive guard. And uh, he's kind of an interior disruptor. Uh, and to get that guy with that type of grade in the SEC, the top conference in college football, at pick 88 represents great value, and uh, it has a lot of potential to pay off for the Browns. That's tremendous stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, Browns fans are excited about Elliott. Um, that's amazing uh, that, you know, he graded that highly, and obviously very cool. I was going to ask you a little bit about Delpit there, just to kind of expand on that. Because you mentioned the 18 and 19 tape, because, you know, when you watch the 18 tape, he jumps off the screen, right? Like, you know, he really flashes. And obviously, I, I just, I'm not charting anything or grading this, you know, like the way that you guys do, but just evaluating tape in general, he really flashes, right? In 18 and then 19, um, as you said, some at bad angles, poor tackling is very accurate, right? But um, and, he, and he seems to lack some of the explosiveness. Now, a lot of that, I think, could be attributed to a high ankle sprain. How would you guys you guys take that into an, into account somehow in your grade or, or no? So, no, that ends up being more problematic than it would be valuable. You know, uh, you can't – there's no way for us to be able to, you know, put a value on someone's injury 
Uh, if they're out there, then we grade them the exact same as if they were uh, playing without an injury. Uh, if you were to, if you were to, they're playing against a guy that's injured. Uh, you can't take that into account because there's no way to actually weigh how injured a player is. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. yeah, you can't put a so, figure yeah. on that. So yeah, so you take it into account when you're watching the film, and you know the grades aren't an end-all, be-all statistic, uh, like any statistic, really. You have to take uh, everything into account. So there's context to everything, uh, and definitely a high ankle sprain and a guy playing through a high ankle sprain, uh, that's something you take into account when you're looking at the film and ultimately when you're ranking a guy and projecting him to the NFL. Outstanding. Um, John, uh, as far as the Browns picks go, uh, any of them receive low grades as far as picks go, or any picks that, that uh, you or Pro Football Focus grade-wise really didn't like? So there weren't any that really stood out as you know big red flags that the Browns did. Uh, our lowest graded pick for the Browns was uh, linebacker Jacob Phillips, okay. uh, who went at the end of the third round at 97. Yep. So Phillips stood out among linebackers because he had amazing measurables uh, and he did very well in the run game, but he struggled in coverage, which is where we find the, you know, the most value in a back seven defender. Uh, yep. He graded out just as an average coverage defender, which doesn't grade well for the next level. He graded well as a tackler and he graded well in run defense, and to that point, Phillips excelled in explosiveness type of drills, like the vertical and broad jump. Uh, he struggled in the change of direction, like the three-cone drill, uh, which is likelier to translate towards coverage. Yeah. So with that being said, he's explosive going forward. And if he does develop into a very good run defender, it'll be a solid pick late in the third round. We just yeah. find the highest value of these guys, to, or a back seven defender, to be in coverage. Uh, yeah, because they emphasize on the pass game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The most interesting pick, I thought, though, and would uh, that could actually turn out to be bad, would be the first pick of Jedrick Wills, because uh, that's obviously a higher impact at 10 uh, right. and a starter at left tackle. So... Wills showed great athletic ability and ability as a run blocker, but he struggled most in pass protection, uh, sometimes showing poor technique in his pass sets. And the worry about him with any tackle at any level uh, is that his technique will suffer from switching from right to left tackle since mm. he played right tackle exclusively at Alabama. Uh, and if your technique suffers from the switch, and it already wasn't a strength beforehand, then it's something to worry about. Uh, well, I think Wills is a good player, and I wouldn't call him a reach at 10 for the type of talent and uh, value of his position. I just thought Wirfs, uh, he graded better in pass protection, and he tested better than Wills. Uh, so, And he also played left tackle in college. So I thought Tristan Wirfs, who ended up going to the Buccaneers later in the draft. I thought he was a better fit 
and I wouldn't be surprised if Will struggled early in his Browns career. Interesting. Very interesting. Great stuff from you here, uh, John. Um, so, I, as far as uh, um, that's that's really good stuff on the, on the grades and a, a, you know a different take on Jedrick Wills because all we hear you know in Cleveland is oh you know amazing pick amazing pick right you know so interesting stuff there and, and a different evaluation from what we have heard recently obviously maybe a little biased right <laughs> uh, yeah what what do you uh, think of the Browns new regime so Andrew Barry youngest GM uh, ever uh, in the NFL, Kevin Stefanski, and then, of course, you know, uh, Paul D. Podesta, you know, the analytics man, right, uh, is uh, part of the Browns front office. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the new regime? So I thought Stefanski has uh, done a really well job in Minnesota the past several years. I think mm-hmm. he got the most out of Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum at the quarterback position, which is quite arguably the most valuable part of coaching. Uh, his ability to lead a team is to be determined, especially with some of the personality of the Browns players. But uh, from what information we have to base it on, which is, you know, his ability to lead an offense and his ability to get the most out of the quarterback looks to be great high. Uh, there's obviously a knowns. And, you know, you know, you can only take off of what we're able to see. Uh, the choice of Barry for GM seems to be right up the alley of an Atlantic, uh, analytics-driven decision. Uh, mm-hmm. The Harvard grad studying in both economics and computer science. He worked under Sashi Brown in the previous regime of the Browns, as well as the Eagles last year, which is another – extremely smart and analytics-driven organization. Uh, Like you mentioned before, it would seem that Barry would come at the recommendation of Paul DePodesta, who's the chief strategy officer of the Browns. From my standpoint of working at PFF and, you know, being waist deep in the analytics over here, I would say it is a good hire. Tremendous. Um... Always to be determined, right? Same yeah. with all these draft picks. It's like, you know, we, we put all these grades on them, but it's really uh, time will tell, huh? Um, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast with a very special guest. Uh, I've been tremendous. Uh, John um, Abbott, senior analyst at Pro Football Focus, uh, helping us uh, understand a little bit better here about the uh, grading at Pro Football Focus and giving us some of his opinions on things. Um, how would you evaluate the Browns' offseason as a whole, John? You know, they they did a lot in free agency. I mean, um, Barry was rather aggressive. Uh, you know, day one, he, you know, go get go, – pardon me, goes and gets, uh, you know, his right tackle – uh, they pay, uh, maybe overpay a little bit for Hooper, you know, Austin Hooper tight end, but then throw a lot of one-year deals on the defensive side of the ball, which I would say was, is kind of, um, with them having to pay a lot of big contracts out in the coming years is kind of a um, a way to give buy himself some more time to evaluate those positions but and, and still try to stay competitive. 
uh, is kind of my thought on it. But uh, how would you evaluate their offseason as a whole? Yeah, so like you said, the two big acquisitions were Conklin and uh, and Austin Hooper. So personally, I love the acquisition of Jack Conklin at right tackle. So first off, I believe that right tackle is one of the most undervalued positions in the NFL. Uh, you know, for us, the pressure coming off the right is, you know, the same as the pressure coming off the left. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it comes at you just as quickly. You have to get the ball out just as quickly. But if you look at the amount that left tackles are paid in the league versus how much right tackles pay, are paid in the league, the, discrep- the discrepancy is huge. Yeah. So getting a free agent right tackle is actually not a is isn't a super valuable way to spend your money, you know. Uh, whereas if you were to get a top left tackle on the market, you're going to pay a huge percentage of your salary cap, and that's just not the same for Conklin. Uh, Conklin has consistently graded out as one of our best right tackles in the league. And he's signing at the age of 26, so you're going to get him through his prime years. And it, I would say it looks like a great signing for the Browns. Uh, on the other side of the coin, like you mentioned before, I thought it was an overpay for Austin Hooper. Uh, so I think at the time of the signing, he was the highest paid tight end in the league. But that mm-hmm. was now surpassed, that's now surpassed by Hunt Henry. But uh, – I don't think he's worthy of being paid the second highest uh, at his position in the league. Uh, from our data, it seems that he gained more of his production from finding holes in zones rather than beating individual defenders. Uh, that being said, the signing looks very scheme-driven with Stefanski. Uh, he ran a lot of 12 personnel. That's two tight ends. Uh, yeah. And he could have been their only option to kind of run the offense that Stefanski wants to run. So yeah. the the signing might not look as bad as it does in a vacuum as it as it will be in reality. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, with the yeah with the Stefanski hire uh, and free agency and the draft, I would say it's overall been a very good off season for the Browns. Good, good. Uh, I feel the same way. Uh, I agree with you about Hooper, and, and it's just uh, you know they they needed another they needed another top end guy and tight end. To, you know the amount of twelve personnel, like you said, that they're going to run. Um, and Njoku has yet to really uh, prove himself after a rough last year last year. Um, in the doghouse with kitchens and whatnot, and uh, dealing with injuries, he has yet to produce at the level that you would have liked your first-round pick to produce. So, um, I think that it's a it's a better, like you said, it, it looks better when when you look at the scheme and and account for all of that than it does on the surface, um, as far as Hooper goes. And uh, yeah, and on top of that, I would say uh, you look at the the draft or the this year's draft of tight ends, and it was definitely a weaker uh, position group in the draft. So that is probably also taken into account. Yeah, definitely. Although they did get uh, Harrison Bryant. Uh, do you have any thoughts on him? 
Yeah, uh, so he's more of the tweener type of tight end. Uh, Definitely. Kind of, he's a little smaller, and you wouldn't expect him to be in line. Uh, but you also, you know, you look at him and you watch his tape, and you don't see the type of explosiveness or route running that jumps, you know, off the tape. So he might end up being in the type of role where you just, you know, he's caught in the middle. He's not athletic or explosive enough uh, to actually uh, make an impact as a off-the-line tight end, but you can't put him into block either. Uh, And that's the worry with him. But like all of these, all of the tight ends, they kind of all were in the middle there. And, uh, yeah. you know, your guess is as good as mine with some of these guys. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. To be determined. So, uh, the big question here, last question here for you, John. I won't keep you uh, too long here, but this is a obviously a, a, probably the biggest question for the Browns. And um, it, it's, uh, you know, nobody really knows, but I believe I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go off of uh, just remembering. I believe that Pro Football Focus had Baker Mayfield graded out pretty highly coming out. Is that correct? We did. Yeah, we had him as the project. We had him as a number one quarterback. We had him valued as the number one overall pick uh, early in March, or or maybe even before, just after the just after the NFL season or the college season ended, uh, and then really before everyone had him at number one overall. Uh, they yeah. all, Josh, Josh Allen was number one on the board still at the time. But, yeah, we've had Baker ranked highly since he was coming out of Oklahoma. So he comes out, lights the league on fire, rookie uh, – you know, rookie touchdown record in what thirteen games or something like that, right? As a rookie, looks to be uh, playing well. Um, the future looks bright. He comes out in year two uh, in struggles and had a rough year too. Now, a lot of Browns fans, John, will throw that at the feet of uh, one Freddie Kitchens um, and blame that on. Some of that poor play or, or, you know, some fans, a lot of all of it at Freddie Kitchens and you didn't put him in an opportunity. There's some stories going around about Kitchens, with, you know, basically throwing the game plan out the window after his first, you know, 15 scripted plays or whatever. And, and they never really created an identity and Baker struggled and it was just a big mess last year, as you know. Um where do you come out on, uh, do you think that Baker bounces back in year three under Stefanski's offense? Um, you know, personally, uh, do you feel still feel that he is, uh, you know, his future is bright, I guess? Yeah, so like we were mentioning before, we've, we've always had Baker grading out highly at PFF. And the biggest reason for that is uh, he's a very accurate quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's shown himself to be very accurate when he's throwing on schedule. And I think uh area where Baker struggled the most last season was his timing. Uh, a lot of the times he held on to the ball too long in too many situations, uh, missed hot reads and held on to the ball in 
took facts. Uh, there's also a lot of instances where there are miscommunications. He obviously had some new receivers. Uh, ultimately, I do think Baker is a good quarterback, and I do think he will bounce back, uh, like we said. Or like I said before, Stefanski's getting the most out of his quarterbacks, you know, in the past with Keenum, who's, you know, now not a starter in the league, but took the Vikings far into the playoffs, uh, and Kirk Cousins, who had two good seasons in Minnesota so far. Uh, and I think it's important to note that, you know, it is Baker's second year in the – or it just was Baker's second year in the league. And I, a lot of people expect, you know, progression to be linear. You know, you get yeah. better from your rookie season to your second season to your third season. Uh, it's just not – it's not always the case. You know, this isn't Madden uh, where you just continually get better, <laughs> you know. Uh, and sometimes, yeah. But sometimes there are years where you will, you know, look worse. Uh, I definitely think the coaching change uh, in Freddie Kitchens – I didn't like the hire going in, but uh, I, for, for us at PFF, you know, we're not, we're not like, we can't value too much or chart as much as to what Freddie Kitchens is doing. We can only look at the type of reads that Baker is going through uh, yeah. and, you know, how accurate he is or his decision-making. Uh, but ultimately, I think that the marriage of Stefanski will work. I do think Baker is an accurate quarterback. And I would say that there is hope that he will be again good this year. Well, that's that's uh, music to our ears, John, right there. Yeah. That's what uh, that's the ultimate question, right? You don't you don't really do anything without without him. Uh, Correct. So. There's a there's a lot of noise outside of that. Uh, the Austin Hooper doesn't matter as much. The uh, the defensive signings don't matter as much. Uh, unless Baker is playing at full capability. So, yeah, very, very well put. Uh, very well put. Well, I'll tell you what, John, I, uh, I'm impressed. I, uh, you've been a terrific uh, guest, and uh, um, I thank you for your time. And uh, I hope that in the future maybe I can call on you again. What do you, what do you say? Sounds good. All right, uh, Jonathan Abbott, senior analyst at Pro Football Focus. Go to Pro Football Focus, check it out. It's amazing all of the statistics that you can dig into. Uh, you can spend hours and hours there if you're an NFL fan, certainly. So, uh, any parting words for us, John? Yeah, I would just say go visit Pro Football Focus. If you're into any data analytics, we have all of that type of stuff on there. If you're into the more scouting and breaking down the football, we do that as well. We marry it as well, too. You know, we're, we're football all the time, 24-7. It's what we do. Uh, we have the biggest database of anyone out there, and we care about this stuff, and this is, this is what we put our work into. So uh, I think we're the smartest out there, and we got the best data of anyone, so yeah, definitely come check us out. You said it. Well said. Jonathan Abbott, senior analyst, pro football focus, a gentleman and a scholar. Very well done. Outstanding stuff, sir. Thank you for uh, coming on All Eyes on Cleveland. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great night. You as well. Kane is in the building. 
With Hollywood code, I'm with Marley G, bro. Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog, millionaire Bollywood flow. And uh, my real friends never hearing from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose. I don't get you confused. I got a small circle. I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same building, but we got different views. I got a couple cars I never get to use. And there it was, the interview with Jonathan Abbott, senior analyst at PFF Pro Football Focus. Go check it out. Uh, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, really good analysis, uh, really good breakdown. If you haven't, you know, ever heard or gotten into that, you know, the weeds of PFF there, the understanding of the way that they uh, grade things, the amount of data that they use, um certainly uh interesting stuff that he had to say uh about the grades and and the drafted uh players by the browns so a good job there from uh jonathan And uh, we will uh, make sure to, uh, you know, thank Jonathan. He was outstanding. I'll post that on Twitter there. He was a terrific uh, uh, guest. Uh, Pro Football Focus senior analyst Jonathan Abbott uh, gave us a quality half hour there breaking things down. Interesting um, stuff that he said, and we're going to cover some of that here quickly. But first of all, you can find our show, uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, uh, you can go to alleyesoncleveland.com, as I mentioned before, or all, where, where all popular podcasts are found. So, for example, iTunes, radio.com, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, ours is there. Um, and uh, listen to any of the episodes uh, as well as being published at USA Today Sports Media Group's thebrownswired.com tomorrow morning, uh, as was uh, last night's show posted this morning. So, there it is. So, hope you enjoyed that interview. I thought that was uh, very relevant stuff with them giving the Browns an A-plus grade. So, some things to take away from there the interesting thing uh, you know he's talking about hooper a little bit interesting evaluation they have uh at pff that he um gets open in zone you know finding uh open spaces in the zone more than you know beating his man man to man creating separation uh, something to kind of watch for, but something that they noticed in their evaluation of him. Um, so, you know, good takeaway there. Uh, something to look for. Um, some other things going on. Uh, well, let, let's cover this first. He also talked about Jedrick Wills. Um, and, and they weren't, you know, their favorite two picks, PFFs, was Delpit and Elliott. 
Um, now, Jordan Elliott on tape that I watched after the draft is a terrific, terrific two-gap player. He's terrific in the run. I mean, uh, locking out uh, the defender, um, stuff he's going to be asked to do in the NFL, locking out you know the offensive linemen, and then playing two-gap football, disengaging to the right or the left to fill the hole that the back is coming through. Um, he is terrific at uh, and that's something that um, he should be excellent help in the run game uh, and definitely a steal where the Browns got him. Uh, they had him ranked better than anybody all the way up to uh, they had him as the very best uh, defensive tackle PFF did uh, in the draft. So Jordan Elliott, uh, potential big-time steal there. Uh, but when he talked about Jedrick Wells, he could, the concern was the moving from the right side to the left side. Now, this has been a total mixed bag because you've got people that are like, shouldn't be a problem. Last night, uh, Nick Shook, offensive uh, lineman uh, extraordinaire, knows his stuff, loves the big guys. Uh, and knows his offensive line stuff better than anybody I know, said it's really just muscle memory, uh, switching that out, you know, pushing off with the, the other foot, stepping with a different foot, that the muscle memory stuff is just repetition, and he should be able to make the transition easily. Uh, I heard Joe Thomas talk about it, Chris Sims talk about it, Everybody seems to have a kind of a different opinion on how hard or difficult this transition will be from the right to the left side. Uh, Jedrick himself talked about that he thought it would be a difficult transition. So, it's interesting um, that they devalued a pick because of that switch. Uh, and they thought it was going to be that difficult. I don't know how much I put it, you know, behind that necessarily. Uh, I think that he can make the transition. He's athletic enough. Um, he'll get the reps that he needs. Um, but certainly it'll take some time for him to become the left tackle that he can be, right? You know, meet his... Uh, you know his best play and, and that'll take some reps and repetition and just just like joe thomas talks about it muscle memory um and uh that same thing that nick shook said last night so it's interesting though that different people really evaluate how difficult that's going to be differently some people don't think it's a big deal at all some people think it is a big deal so interesting there and something to keep an eye on with Jedrick Wills. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, I'm Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. We had special guest Jonathan Abbott, uh, senior analyst from PFF on tonight. couple other things. Uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, to the Ravens, question <laughs> mark? Uh, Antonio Brown worked out with uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, Marquise uh, Brown. I won't call Hollywood because the real Hollywood is oh, 
yeah, the real Hollywood is here in uh, Cleveland, Hollywood Higgins. But uh, Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson, and Antonio Brown worked out together, I guess, earlier this week. Uh, Rumors about Brown to the Ravens. I don't know, you know... Do you want that to happen? I mean, because he can really implode a locker room. If you've seen what he's done, he's basically lost his damn mind. Um, And uh, I don't know if he's more under control or what's going on now. I know uh, he was facing some serious charges. uh, and uh, But once back in the league... Do the Ravens have that locker room that can have a guy like this? Sometimes I wonder if they are. They're one of the few teams that could bring a guy like this in, rein him in with veteran leadership. But a lot of that veteran leadership is gone on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And really, you know, I I guess it's it's a toss-up. I don't really know how much validity we can put behind this uh but it is a rumor out there that antonio brown to the ravens working out with lamar jackson and marquise uh brown so i mean if he's gonna be disruptive and cause problems sure sign him up but if uh they have that they kind of might have that culture that can reel him in and uh you know definitely don't want a weapon like that going over to the ravens uh so something to keep an eye on there with antonio brown uh couple other things here before we go just just a couple uh rookies brown's rookies are starting to get officially uh, get their numbers jedrick wills left it up to twitter uh 71 uh joe thomas offered him to wear his number uh but uh Stefanski said he was not comfortable with that interesting kind of respect that in a way uh but Jedrick Wills will wear 71 Grant Delpit with 22 um which was I I think uh didn't Peppers wear 22 I don't know who wore 22 last year but uh Delpit will take over with 22 uh Jacob Phillips will wear 50 50 Harrison Bryant gonna wear 88 like uh des bryant and then uh people's jones going with the the 11 i like that the look with the one one the 11 uh gotta get these the nfl to allow single digits uh in other positions than they do right now which like quarterback or whatever you know they gotta they gotta let you know two one seven these numbers are great numbers for guys uh and uh i I love that they you know you i like i love seeing a wide receiver wear like one or nine or something like that you know uh and uh they i hate that they make uh uh them 
where uh, the number is according to position. But there's what there's what you have at 71 for Wells, Delp at 22, Phillips 50, Harrison Bryant 88, Peoples Jones 11. Don't know for Nick Harris. Don't know for Jordan Elliott yet. Nothing official there. So there's your numbers for your rookies in a quick uh, pass through. So I spoke quickly last night when when I had uh, if you listen to the prior show we had Nick Shook from around the NFL on and I asked him if he if he had any idea what Joe Woods schematically was planning on running uh, with the Browns defense now uh, we know uh, that he's going to run the 4-3 he, he's been a part of defenses that have been 3-4 he's been a part of defenses that have been 4-3 he, he knows them both, uh, but with the Browns personnel, obviously, 4-3 makes more sense. They've got better players uh, at the line of scrimmage um, and f- fewer linebackers, uh, so it kind of makes just perfect sense to do that. Now, here's where it gets kind of tricky, right? So, he was the defensive coordinator for two years in in uh, Denver when he was there they ran a uh, a 4-3 under uh, look as their base set now you know in the NFL these days these base sets are what 25% of the time maybe 30 if that so you know you're going to be in sub packages uh with more defensive backs on the field a lot of the time the majority of the time more than you're in your base package but uh a 4-3 under is what he ran there you know so uh obviously the 4-3 is fine here with the browns that that look is kind of a um you know you get you get the uh your three technique uh defensive tackle um uh, in the uh um in the weak side uh, and then you you bring your uh your sam linebacker up to the line of scrimmage on the strong side uh it allows for some one-on-one looks uh so when i say on the on the uh, weak side with the three your three technique uh, defensive tackle uh, in the A gap will shade the A gap on the uh, the weak side, and what that does is that can oftentimes allow for, say, for the Browns Garrett to get one on one, you know, uh, matchups out there. Uh, it also um, will allow your, you know, your will. Uh, linebacker uh, to play, you know, maybe shaded up the middle or to the strong side a little bit uh, with the Sam all the way up on the edge, almost like where the tight end would be, um, you know, st- standing up, though. Um, and and that gives him will the will a, a lot of uh you know you got your big guys right there uh it should give him freedom to fill gaps and, and make plays and and that's going to be um you know 
that that'll be key. You want you want somebody that can fly to the ball there. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. Um, if, if that was the look. Now that my concern, and I've talked about this before, is Joe Woods was you know uh, worked uh, with the uh, 49ers the past you know however many years uh, they run Seattle's you know the legion of uh, boom seattle defense which is adopted by multiple teams around the league now and that's the cover their cover three uh press bail and um that's what you saw uh the 49ers play all the way to the super bowl now they stay in that like 80 percent of the time and when teams are in that they kind of live and die by it uh, more often than not, it's less of your uh, defensive coordinator, you know, scheming up a way to stop a certain defense, which I think is the, what you have to do in the NFL. You have to be uh, able to change what you do on a week-to-week basis. Uh, you know, see, see Belichick, who changes everything weekly, to uh you know beat his opponent that's you know what i think the correct approach is and many defensive coordinators have that approach but like for example uh example sala you know he lived and died by the the press or the uh press bail cover three seattle defense with the 49ers and in the end uh it got him beat in the end uh because um the chiefs were able to attack you know the rules of that defense it's very schemy uh and so you'd be asking a lot of uh younger cornerbacks to uh you know learn the the rules of that defense which are, are is very like i said it's just very schemy it's very rule oriented uh if you get the right personnel it can work now i've heard a thing i've asked i've inquired we don't really know what joe woods is going to run except for that we know he's going to run the four three uh so Ultimately, in the end, it doesn't make a huge difference if he's going to be in sub packages a lot, uh, more defensive backs on the field with the way the NFL is now. Uh, but in the AFC North, you're going to face like you know teams just like uh, the Ravens, um, who are going to run the ball a ton. Pittsburgh's going to run the ball, uh, you know. Mixon in Cincinnati, you're going to have to stop the run. Um, so that base look will be influential as well. Uh, you know, ironically, I think the way that the NFL tends to feel about stopping Lamar Jackson is with more defensive backs on the field. I mean, that's how the Chargers uh, beat them two years ago. And then, and then last year, you know, you have uh, safeties up in the box. You go with less linebackers, more defensive backs. 
to play against his speed, Lamar Jackson being he in that situation. So interesting to find out here as we move forward what Joe Woods' base look is going to be. Like, you know, uh, what, is he going to teach them both? I mean, it's very possible that, you know, they will have a regular, uh, you know, 4-3 look with the 4-3 under for some run and then also uh, be able to play some cover three press bail uh, Seattle defense. Um, I find that probably a little bit unlikely. I mean, that's the stuff he knows, right, and has been coaching, but I find that a little bit unlikely with this defense because in the 4-3 under look that he kind of manipulated around and played around with a lot in Denver, he calls for a lot of man-to-man on the outside, and you've got guys, I think, that can play man-to-man uh, defense uh, on the outside. So, you know, as long as Greedy comes along, I think he's going to be a good player. He, he didn't have a great rookie campaign, but um, and if Denzel can stay on the field, you know, he's terrific one-on-one uh, man-to-man coverage. So, it'll be interesting to find out which direction Joe Woods goes um, as far as what he you know, once again, identity is the key word here. What does he want the identity of his defense to be? What is that base look? What's their scheme going to be that they adjust off of from there? Um, we know it's going to be a 4-3. Could be that 4-3 under kind of look. Um, and, you, you know, if you really want to play the run there, you walk a safety up in the box. Uh, on the weak side, you know, um, and you're you're really prepared to play the run, um, and then you know, obviously coming out of that and putting more defensive backs on the field in your nickel packages and whatnot. So interesting to pay attention to some of that uh, as we go forward. I'd like to hear him talk at some point about what that defense, the Browns' defense, is going to be. Uh, so we can kind of get uh, into uh, take a look at some film and and tape and see what what his defense that identity is gonna be. Uh, still nothing on you know what exactly schematically he's gonna run as a base defense. Thought that was worth talking about. Asked Nick Shook about it last night. He still uh, he he would said the same thing. Haven't said it. We thought it was kind of weird. We hadn't heard what he was gonna run yet, uh, etc. Uh, last thing tonight. Uh, so the Browns drafted well had a great uh you know i would consider it a great to terrific uh free agency so far uh our so we look at our power rankings over at uh nfl network uh or nfl.com and the browns even after their a plus draft uh you know graded highly all around uh, lots of uh, pundits giving them good grades, uh, including PFF and uh, our guest tonight, John, Jonathan Abbott. But they stay at 19, unmoved. Uh, 19 puts them uh, 
right behind the Atlanta Falcons. So I would take, uh, I would say that there's very good possibility that the Browns are better than the Falcons, in my opinion. The Rams at 17, uh, Texans at 16 dropped a spot. After the draft, this is post-draft rankings. The Patriots at 15 right now, uh, still with Stidham as the main guy. I don't know how long that'll last as Andy Dalton is cut today. So he can be had. Cam Newton can be had. Probably waiting for trainers to be able to see him. Uh, Will the Patriots bring in one of those guys is uh, a big question, I think. Uh, but they're at 15, went up a spot after the draft. Uh, the Eagles dropped five spots after the draft to 14. Uh, the Seahawks dropped six spots after the draft. Uh, I think part of that is Clowney not returning, what looks like he will not return. Uh, don't know how if the Browns are still in on him or not. Uh, me and Nick talked about that last night. Uh, he even talked about the idea of keeping, you know, uh, getting Clowney if his price dropped enough uh, for uh, maybe on a year deal so it doesn't affect your future cap space. And, uh, and then um, keeping Vernon as well. Uh, kind of a uh, rotation there uh, or to have three guys that are really good on the edges uh, interesting thought uh, but then the Buccaneers with Tom Brady Gronkowski coming back at 12 I would have them higher than that I, I don't understand why they're 12 I-, I don't know how you can have the Steelers ranked ahead of them but they do the Steelers drop one spot after the draft to 11 uh i don't uh, that's awfully high in my opinion uh awfully high meaning towards the top uh the vikings move up four spots after the draft got the vikings at 10 uh the colts at nine this one is uh surprising me the colts i i would move up four spots so previously number 13 move all the way up to nine in the power rankings uh they did uh in the, this offseason added deforest buckner uh, then they went and drafted Michael Pittman Jr. They added Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, they've got T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they drafted Jonathan Taylor, a uh, great running back uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, they've got Marlon Mack, another back there. So they, I mean, they, they do have some talent, but I don't think I would have them anywhere near single digits. I would probably put them in like the same grouping as the Browns kind of surprised there the Packers uh with the uh A-Rod and J-Lo J-Lo being Jordan Love uh you know uh now uh couple or duo in Green Bay uh dropped three spots after that hideous pick um from five to eight uh in the power rankings Cowboys go up uh, from 11 to 7, I'll go up four spots as they got a steal at 17 with C.D. Lamb. Um, and then uh, they add him to the wide receiving core with Gallup and Amari Cooper. And uh, they just have so much talent on that roster. Um, 
the Bills all the way up at six, uh, going up two spots after the draft. The Titans go up one spot after the draft to five. In the power rankings, the Saints stay at four. The Ravens stay at three, even after, uh, you know, their draft has been lauded uh, as being uh, terrific. So, um, you know, Ozzy obviously, uh, with the, you know, t- teaching DaCosta everything he knows, uh, but they are, uh, have been given very high grades on the draft as well as they added, you know, two linebackers, Patrick Queen, uh, and then a guy that I wanted, Malik Harrison, one pick after the Browns had a chance to get him, uh, but, uh, they both get their linebackers. It'll be interesting to see who develops faster, Harrison uh, or the Phillips for the Browns, because you know uh, the Browns had their pick of either guy there in the draft. Uh, so we've got Ravens three, uh, 49ers two, and Chiefs one. Uh, so uh, and they added Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which is who is an absolute weapon. You think about the way that the Chiefs run their offense, all that downfield stuff. Uh, imagine Mahomes going back. You've got Kelsey Hill, McCole Hardman, uh, all flying down the field, extending the field. All your DBs are deep, and then whoop out of the backfield. Here comes Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, with a you know Mahomes buys some time, dumps it off to him, and he's he's off to the races. Uh, you know shaking and bacon he's a very very talented guy uh so Clyde Edwards Hilaire I thought was a terrific pick for the Chiefs as they remain number one in the NFL uh dot com uh power rankings uh, so we'll look at that there. Wanted to cover that. The Browns go unchanged even after a terrific draft. Hope you have enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, got a little technical there on uh, Joe Woods and the defense, but something to keep your eye on for certain. Uh, great interview from Jonathan Abbott at Pro Football Focus who gave the Browns that A-plus um, grade on their draft. So that was terrific. Uh, and two days back to back this week I hope you enjoyed them both it's all eyes on Cleveland go get it anywhere you get your podcast iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio TuneIn app, Radio.com, Google Play uh, will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's uh, thebrownswire.com where I write uh, and where this show is published uh, and was published this morning you can get it there uh, and you can of course go to the website alleyesoncleveland.com you can also grab yourself a new uh, sweet looking Browns jersey there as well as well as some other gear available on the site All Eyes on Cleveland. Thanks again to Jonathan Abbott, Senior Analyst of PFF, for the great interview. Uh, Mikey, a terrific job on the ones and twos. Uh, So, for Mikey, I am Brad Ward. Hope you enjoyed. We are out.